0: Uh, poured into me, and then uh, they helped me to, uh, kind of like a arrow, be shot into adulthood. And that's kind of the, the function of our parents, you know, in a, in a proper relationship there. And the, uh, I, I was looking at the experience that uh, I had and thinking about when my folks let me loose into college, And so uh, for me, that meant that I was going to Texas A&M University, and I was kind of getting out from under my, my parents' household and moving there. And I remember moving in with my brother and his buddies. And you guys remember leaving the house, right, and kind of that feeling, that experience, Well, uh, I remember looking around uh, with my brother and my my newfound friends that were my roommates up there at college, and my folks kind of were packing up everything. We gave them a hug and a kiss, and they hit the road. And I don't know if they were celebrating or if they were weeping, but they were doing something. And so they they hit the road. And then for me, and uh, I remember just tidying up a bit for an hour or so, and just kind of looking around. Then, well, what do I do? What do I do? Oh, what do I do? <laughs> I can do whatever I want to do. I am free, absolutely free. I'm not under some other household rules, I am under a new house. And I had the ability to choose what I wanted to do when I moved uh, to college. And, you know, hopefully, which goes quick for those parents out there, you know, you're you're forming, you're pouring in, and then you let them loose, and they're making decisions, right, on their own. And I began to do that. And I learned pretty quickly that when you are free to do what you want to do, you can engage in um, a lot of things, and uh, you learn that you can stay up as late as you want. And you can get up as late as you want. But you also learn there's consequences for missing your 8 a.m. classes. And honestly, it's not great to have 8 a.m. classes. You learn that as well. But uh, for me, that experience of finding my uh, my identity under my own households as I began to make decisions that hopefully were formed by good values, good foundation, uh, but I got to make those decisions on my own. And you know, that is exactly what the Corinthians are dealing with in this letter. Paul is writing to these individuals that are growing up in the faith. And they are learning to experience what it means that they are free. They are absolutely free in Christ. They're going to make a whole bunch of decisions that make them happy and honor God. They are absolutely free. But the challenge is, and we understand this as well in our own lives, that sometimes the decisions we make, they carry consequences, <laughs> and sometimes not so good. And so that was what was going on for the Corinthians. Uh, they were having this uh, mentality that we can do whatever we want, which in one sense, they are absolutely free. But in another sense, They learn there's real consequences for the actions. And so Paul's going to help teach them, clarify for them exactly what makes them the most free and the most joyous. And it comes within the boundaries that are set by God for good reason, because he wants us to experience true joy, lasting joy that does not carry shame or regret. And so we're picking it up in chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at 12 through 20, the verses today. And this picking up on a theme that Paul has already addressed with the Corinthians a little bit earlier on in chapter 5. See so if you remember, he's kind of been helping the, these uh, immature believers, but kind of grow up in the faith. And he's taught them a little bit to not elevate uh, teachers, to not elevate others in their body, that we're all equal. In Christ, we just have different functions. And then he's helped correct them uh, in the area of physical intimacy. And that's honestly what he's going to be going back to today. And so that will be a piece of this text as well. But last week we learned they were having uh, suits, they were having divisions in their body. And so he's teaching them how to judge rightly. But all of these are ways in which there is good boundaries and encouragement and teaching. To help us experience the fullness of our joy in Christ. So let's read the text. And then we'll pull it apart. Starts off in verse 12. All things are lawful for me. But not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me. But I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach. And the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The two shall become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God. In your body. So, Heavenly Father, we pray that your word would have its work in us, and you would teach us what it means: that we are truly free in Christ, and that we can honor you, and that it fills us and full fills us to the full. We love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now, I'm gonna say right from the start, guys, that this passage is a difficult one, all right? In my study this week, I came across a number of commentators that puts this at one of the top most difficult passages to interpret from the Apostle Paul, and here's why. It's because there is apparently a conversation going on in the text where we are picking up uh, 2,000 years removed from an ongoing conversation from a pastor with his people, Right, And so he is uh, helping pull apart for them some slogans, some ideas, some thoughts that they have and they're wrestling with. And then he's going to help correct or add on to that understanding. And so we just see the one side of the conversation. But this would have been a conversation that the Corinthians were having uh, for them. And so to to help us understand it, we'll dive in. But I don't want you to get mixed up with the minutiae. I want to, right from the start, let you know what the big idea of the text is, and it's this, that as Christ's treasurers, we are completely set free to honor our master and no longer be mastered by fleshly desires. It's way more than just physical intimacy. What Paul is trying to help us understand is that we are absolutely free in Christ, And it's a costly freedom, but it's a wonderful freedom. And we get to experience it to the full when we're not giving in to those old, sinful, fleshly desires. And so it starts out this way in verse 12. Paul is quoting a slogan that the Corinthians had been sharing. And I put it in red to kind of help us understand that it's a two-way conversation. Those portions in red are what the Corinthians have been saying or believe. And the sections that are in bold there are Paul's response or his clarification. Help a little more. Let me go to this slide. The Corinthians are saying, all things are lawful for me. What is that lawful idea? You know, what Paul's not saying is that all things are legally in a court of law uh, able for me to engage in. He's not even considering that. The lawful here is uh, that we have the right. We have the personal autonomy. We have the liberty to engage in those things that we want to. Paul clarifies that thought. And he says, but not all things are helpful. And so the Corinthians are no doubt thinking, hey, this is great. I can kind of do whatever it is that I want to do. And Paul's saying, judged by a different metric, judged by the law of love, judged by the idea of how it impacts others and impacts yourself. Then he goes on, quotes him again, all things are lawful for me. Paul adds another caveat, but I will not be dominated by anything. That idea of dominated there means mastered. I'm no longer going to be held in shackles to every whim and every desire that I have. I'm going to be free. The Corinthians are saying, yeah, but food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. He's saying bodily appetites, desires are what we were created with. And boy, I just got to indulge in those things. Paul clarifies and says, yeah, but the body is meant for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. The Corinthians are thinking that kind of what we do in the flesh doesn't really matter when we uh, have come to Christ, that somehow the physical things don't add up or don't matter. But they do as Christ's treasurers. See, they were saying, and God will destroy both one and the other, food in the stomach, the flesh. Paul says, God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and he will raise us also. And so what we do in the body has a lasting impact. And so there's this conversation that's happening between Paul and the Corinthians, and he's clarifying for them. And here's some ideas that he's bringing up. He's reminding them that we are indeed completely free in Christ, but we are free from slavery to sin. That's what we've been set free from, amen? Slavery to sin, that idea of being in bondage that really you you can't make the decisions that you ultimately know are the best because you're sold to slavery to those things that are not for your best, for fleshly desires. And Jesus has come into the equation and he has wiped away our sinful past. And he has freed us from that shame That we experience. And if you are a Christ treasure. You know there is no better feeling. In the world. Than to know that you are forgiven. And you are washed white as snow. Nothing better. No amount of money or things or indulgences. Can ever satisfy that desire to be right with God. And then Paul goes on, yeah, we've been freed from the dominion of darkness, and we've been transferred to the kingdom of light, but we are freed for enjoying lives that are pleasing to God. See, we were not free to then go live in bondage. It makes no sense. We've been freed for honoring the Lord with our body. Now, this was a idea that kind of permeates uh, all of Paul's writings but no doubt people in uh, his culture really struggle with it as we do today and so he picks up this theme in Galatians and he's writing to the Galatians church and this is chapter 5 helping them understand what freedom really entails and here's what he says in 13 for you are called to freedom brothers only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. What is he saying there? Well, he's saying that we're in a battle. We're in a fight. We're in a fight to experience all the joys of our freedom. We don't want to lose any of them or have our joy steal by pursuing lesser delights. And so the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers us to live into that freedom. And Paul helps clarify in three ways, really how we live and can make decisions in line with experiencing that greater joy. So here's what he says in response. He says, not all things are helpful. I will not be dominated or mastered by any. And the body is meant for the Lord, or the Lord for the body. So in our language, what does that mean? It means freedom is most pleasing when we do what helps and doesn't hurt us and others. You know, it's a helpful clarification because true freedom does not mean that I just do whatever I want. We know that's not free. Why? Because it's not operating in the law of love. If everyone operated in whatever they wanted in the moment, we'd all be bumping into each other, and we'd have a lot of bruises and a lot of hurts, a lot of scars. Secondly, he's saying, do what we can engage in with self-control. We're not going to be mastered by our fleshly desires. You know, for in, in ministry, over the last 20 or so years for me, I've come to recognize that everyone is shaped uniquely. You know, God has done a wonderful work in making the body of Christ just all different uh, facets and different personalities and different skills and different joys, and how they all fit together is absolutely wonderful. And one of those areas that were unique is in what we can engage in with self-control. For some of us, we can uh, engage in activities that really are not that tempting for us to not honor God with. But for others, they are. And we truly do have liberty. But we're not to use our liberty to enslave ourselves again. And so I don't know what that is for you. For some, like Pastor Todd, it means not going into a donut shop. Right? Probably for me too. For others, you know, it it may be with alcohol or it may be in those areas, you know, that you've been tempted in in the past and there's wisdom in in refraining. Ultimately, it, it is doing what our master says. God has given us his word as a love note, a love letter to help us live into fullness, not to steal our joy, to give it. So we actually experience what this life is meant to be. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So Paul's correcting the Corinthians that the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And it's an area that trips up a lot of us. And so he's going to remind them that we are free from needing to pursue illicit gratification because we're finding ultimate satisfaction in our great God. Have you ever thought about this? Every good and perfect gift comes from God. That means he's incredibly good. And our connection with God is the source of goodness. And so when we willingly choose to divorce ourselves from that goodness and pursue something illicit, we are choosing lesser joy. That is what Paul is trying to wake him up to. You're choosing the lesser. That's not in line with your identity. And so why must we fight to use our freedom right? Well, it's because we're in a real battle. And the battle is against the flesh and the spirit. And so Paul is going to tell them that your bodies are members of Christ. And what he means here is something that is so mind-boggling, I'm not sure I can give appropriate language to it. But I want, want you to just consider this, that you right now are in Christ. You in Christ are united fundamentally, spiritually, physically, practically and supernaturally, all of it, you're in Christ. And so he has completely remade your identity. And what that means for us is a couple things. But first, what it means is that we cannot compartmentalize our faith. And boy, I see this all the time, and I'm tempted to do this. You can't just Leave here from church and kind of go into your Monday and check religion at the door. You can't check Christ at the door. Christ goes with you. You can't leave your house and then go pursue that week's activities and leave Jesus in your home. He's with you. You can't indulge in something physically and expect that it will not have spiritual ramifications. We are one. We're a whole person. And we can't compartmentalize our life. The next thing that it means is that we are interconnected with Christ and therefore extensions of him. We're part of his body. Together, collective, but also individual. We are extensions of Jesus Christ to others. And what that means is that we are indeed holy, holy. And pure. And I got to be honest, guys, when I first came to Christ, I didn't feel real holy and pure. I made a lot of mistakes. And that, that shame, that sin that I felt, it took me some time to realize the depth of what God's word says when we've been washed, we've been cleaned. We no longer are who we were. We're a new creation in Christ. And therefore, we don't live like we haven't been changed. Because we have. So Paul asked the Corinthians, shall I then take the members of Christ ourselves and make them members of a prostitute? I want you to say this next word with me. Say it big, loud, proud. What's that next word say? Never. Never. That word there is heaven forbid, God forbid it, may it never be, has no place in the life of a believer, and that's for good reason, it's for your best interest, and so Paul's saying unifying what is sacred with what is sinful is a horrible idea with big consequences, And now don't don't misunderstand, he's not limiting it to physical intimacy, to sexual intimacy. Anything that we unite, uh, what is sacred, our bodies, who we are in Christ with something that is indulgent, sinful, not of Jesus, we're diminishing it. And we're not living into our calling of who we truly are. And so therefore we experience less joy from it. But there are big consequences and Paul's going to tell us what those are. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. We're united with Christ. And when we try to unite ourselves with something that is not of Christ, it's a fool's errand and ultimately undermines our own integrity. And so there's consequences to it. Engaging in sexual intimacy has wide-sweeping and long-lasting effects. And we know this, guys. In in my own life, I think about those areas that have caused the most hurt, have have carried the longest-lasting weight, and have shaped me more ways than one. In this area of sexual intimacy and not pursuing it in the way that God has intended. Secondly, he's saying that it uniquely binds people together physically, emotionally, and spiritually. See, God knew what he was doing when he created sex inside the marriage relationship. Let me tell you, it's fun. It is good. And if it's not fun, you're not doing it right. This is, God meant for it to be pleasurable, and that's such a good thing. He's a great God. He knows what he's doing. But it's meant, it's way more than physical. And we know this, guys. If you're married, you should know this. It's emotional. It's spiritual. We're uniting. It's like super glue. We're coming together. And we're one. And so when we pursue it outside of how God has intended it in the marriage, illicit sexual behavior harms us and it harms others in all of those same areas. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. because It's not how God intended it. And so Paul goes on and he tells us the remedy. And it's not a remedy that's necessarily easy. But it is the remedy. Just flee from it. Run. Get away. Don't engage. Don't do it. The best way to fight temptation is to flee from it. And this goes against so much of what our natural inclination is. Because what happens is we see something we think is beautiful. Our head is drawn to it. And that's the direction that we walk. The antidote for it is to not look in the direction of where we are desirous of in an illicit way. And so we have to put up boundaries around our life in order to not engage in it. Now, I want you to realize something. Realize that some people in looking on may think that you're weird. Or they may think that you're weak. But I want you to know God says you're wise. You're wise. If you're driving up into the mountains and you are going on those switchbacks, it is not a good idea to get as close as you can to those guardrails and kind of peek over and peer over while you're driving. Man, you're setting up for a, a disaster. And in a similar way, in our lives, the goal is not to get as close as you can to sin in order for you to experience what you think is most maximized. It'll get you. It'll get you. And he says it explicitly in Proverbs chapter 5, 8. It says, keep your way far from her. That He's talking about the adulterous woman. And do not go near the door of her house. Don't go near it. So I don't know what it is in your life, guys. Maybe for you, it is what you're watching on TV. Maybe it's what you're looking at on the screen. Maybe it's the relationship that you're pursuing at work. Maybe it's none of those. Maybe it's with food. I don't know where it is. But there's areas in each of our lives where we're tempted. And the devil's a flippin' genius. He knows how to put stuff in front of us that we think was desirable in the moment. But it comes with lasting consequences. And so Paul continues. The sexually immoral person sins against his own body or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Guys, we've been cleaned. Cleaned from the inside out. We've been remade. That old life of pursuing things that were lesser no longer holds sway when we're no longer in chains. We've been freed. Oh. That we would experience the depth of that joy and not pursue the lesser. You know, C.S. Lewis uh, had a really wise comment when he says that humans are far too easily pleased. We're over here mucking around in kind of the mire and uh, little momentary delights when actually the real joy is in God. And pursuing a right relationship with him that is satisfying us to the full. And so the Holy Spirit is inside each of us. And it's God claiming ownership in our life. So the Holy Spirit is a gift which empowers us to reflect on the outside what it is we are on the inside. Now make no mistake. You cannot do this on your own. Willpower doesn't work. Your will is bent. And it's broken. You need God. You need his empowerment. In our life to overcome temptations. You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. This idea of being bought. Harkens to the slave trade. Where. Where. A master would purchase a slave. It was a common practice in uh, Paul's day. For us, maybe we can think about it like this, kind of like purchasing a car. When we go to a car dealership, you know, uh, for a hefty sum of money nowadays, you, you, you can get the privilege of, of having a car, right? And uh, they give you the title the car title, and so you can take that home, and that means you're the rightful owner, right? All the rights and privileges, responsibilities of that car belong to you. But when you go to sell that car, guess what? You got to give up. You got to give up that title, which is signifying the rights, the responsibilities, and uh, the ownership of that car. Now, imagine this: imagine that you sell your car uh, to some guy, and uh, he gets in the car, you give him the title, and he drives away. Imagine that you follow him home. And then uh, when he's not looking, you kind of just go over and take the keys, and then you go back in, and you sit in the driver's seat. Then he recognizes his keys aren't there, and he comes out, and he finds you in the car, and you're sitting behind the wheel. What do you think his response is going to be? Oh, and you'll say, Hey, I'm just uh, reminiscing. I'm just seeing what it was like to be back in the driver's seat. He's going to remind you. He owns the vehicle. It's his. That is us. Jesus has blood bought us. And he paid in full. And we know are no longer our own. We belong to him. And so he gets to call the shots. With allegiance privilege of our master. And we are obliged to follow him. It's what it means. It means to follow him, to walk after him. He's our master. So glorify God in your body. There's a lot of ways that we can glorify God. But what it means is that we are fully satisfied in him because he is most glorified in us when we are most fully satisfied in him, that he is the source of our fulfillment and joy and then seeking to honor him in all of our relationships and all of our doings. Are we gonna do this perfect, guys? No. But have we been empowered to live this right life, to live this life right? we have so don't miss the big idea that as christ treasurers we are completely set free to honor our master and no longer be mastered by fleshly desires and so helping to apply this this week the first thing i'd encourage us to do is to spend time thanking god for your freedom in christ you are absolutely free. There's nothing that holds you in bondage. You've been given all the rights and privileges of a father, from a father to a son or a daughter. We have a divine last name. It's an amazing thought. Secondly, assess the degree to which we're using our freedom to glorify God or gratify the flesh. And this is going to be different, unique in all of our, in all of our lives. But are you pursuing... God's pleasing for your own selfish desires. And flee from those temptations in your life that are holding you bondage. Set up a boundary. Pray, ask God to empower you to overcome, to turn a different direction. And then lastly, fight for more joy by looking to Jesus to fill us for those desires that only he can fill in our lives. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we thank you that you've done for us what we can never do on our own. You've given us new life. And you have liberated us from the dominion of darkness and you've brought us into the dominion of light. And as your sons and daughters, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would inspire us by your Holy Spirit to live lives that are pleasing to you empower us each in our own ways to reflect you in all of our relationships may you be glorified in us we pray in Jesus name amen well let's go ahead and stand guys we're going to continue to worship and again want to say happy mother's day to you and you're so glad that you're here worshiping with us